Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. And I gotta let you guys know that we have a Patreon out there. And uh, at the highest level of our Patreon, you're watching us record this video live. And you're getting all of our videos completely uh, before anybody else mitigates that kayfabe effect in total. But the videos are brought to you by the books that we make. And you're looking at a spread of our accomplishments uh, right before you. Out in the wild right now, I'm serializing uh, the next round of Red Room comics, Red Room, Red Room Crypto's Killers issue number one. It's going to be another four-issue Red Room limited series. Uh, two trade paperbacks out there, Anti-Social Network, Trigger Warnings. Uh, it's the 10th anniversary of Hip Hop Family Tree. Three volumes of X-Men Grand Design out there, as well as an Omnibus. WYSIWYG is out there. Jim very soon has the Hulk Grand Design Treasury Edition coming to you. Uh, put in your orders right now. That thing is going fast. It is unavailable in uh, Amazon UK. It is unavailable in Amazon Mexico. So get your hands on this ASAP. Uh, Street Angel comics are forthcoming. Collection of uh, Jim's earlier Street Angel stories uh, and Street Angel Princess of Poverty is out there in the wild as we speak. But I feel like this is a long time coming, James. It definitely is. Taking a look at Elf Quest. Number one, we have two flavors of ElfQuest here, man. This is a reprint of uh, the original series in its original format with its original cover. Uh, I'm pretty sure that this was the, the basic yes. cover painting uh, of, of uh, the original issue one. And then a couple years later, actually a lot of years later, man, maybe like six, seven years later, uh, Marvel creates the Epic line and uh, licenses some ElfQuest comics from uh, the Peonies here. Yeah, and Glennis, Glennis uh, Oliver credited with coloring this. And I mention that because this stuff, uh, I was reading this online at the Peenies website or the ElfQuest website. They have, you know, you can read most of this stuff, if not all of it there. And the coloring still kind of follows this template, but it's been, you know, digitally painted and upgraded, uh, I guess you would say, you know, contemporary, made, made contemporary. Yeah. But it at least the pages that I looked at and compared do follow this coloring guide, which is kind of interesting because it's not uh, a Peenies color guide. At least it's not mentioned that way in the back. They give uh, Glennis uh, Oliver the credit for coloring. So kind of interesting considering how much the Peenies do. Yeah, I mean, it's totally. all them, you know, totally. for the most part. And when you think of ElfQuest and say it's overdue, I put it in like, it's the triumvirate of the beginning of the direct market and creator own books for me, along with Cerebus and First Kingdom. And I remember seeing ads. I should have pulled one for this episode, but you would see the ads for all three of them together in those early days of like alternative comics, you know, the very beginning, it was those three titles. Yeah, sure. And and I, I think they coined the term ground level comics. Uh, they, these, these are the comics that, uh, they they really what bolsters them in those early days of the direct market is very specifically Phil Soling seeing them and saying I'll buy four thousand yeah. and then Bud Plant on the West That's Coast right. saying you know what I'll buy I'll buy four thousand too That's and, it Bud and, Plant and Seagate bought out the first run Yeah yeah totally So uh, for the purposes of our video I think we should keep with the yeah. the OG fidelity man But this this is out there and the cool thing about having a uh, you know, Marvel handled the license uh, on this is that uh, the peonies can delegate some color to somebody else, uh, allow them to do some extra packaging and things. It's one of the great creator-owned stories because they've always maintained these things, you know, and they predate like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
who would have had the same options and did in some ways with like the first editions, you know, in Color of the Turtles. Might have to ask him some questions. For sure. Uh, epic related. Yes. Yeah, we meant to last time and you just get sidetracked. But the Peenies have done so many editions of ElfQuest because it is creator-owned. You know, you can read it online. They did the web version. They've done book collections that were in bookstores early on uh, because they owned it. They were smart and they made sure like, hey, last generation bought ElfQuest and liked it. Well, guess what? There are new readers. Let's try this new avenue. Let's make a new edition to stick with the market, to look up to date. And brilliant you know it's it's shocking that this was not the standard model once this showed to be successful yeah yeah many have tried many have failed uh look at her use of color tell me this is an exquisite stuff what is this lady using is that markers that's a good question because that's pretty early for a full color marker you know if, if that's the case boy that piece looks a lot different today than it did when they photographed it for this cover and those markers are those like canceled fucking markers because say, of like carcinogenic uh, vapor properties yeah, and shit quite a scent coming but, off but, of those but, no doubt but the things that that strike me with this piece is uh really kind of like the lack of the black line uh the sepia lines for all the background stuff uh there's a lot going on here we've been talking and circling and we're going to do an episode on it soon and it's attitude yeah attitude in a drawing and i feel like this drawing has that attitude man if you are into fantasy a little bit if you if ElfQuest sounds good to you, and then you see this image with that wolf sticking its head around the side, like there's a lot being projected from that image. Totally, man. Uh, and Wendy Peeney, you know, like before making her comics, uh, she was on the scene. She was she was Red Sonia, OG cosplayer, Gen Gen One cosplayer. All that to say that that she's a, she's a fanboy as much as anybody else, man. Wendy and Richard Peeney, you know where they met, right? In a, in a letter column of Silver Surfer. Yes. <laughs> so great. So uh, so I look at this and I can't help but think of uh, both Tolkien and Frazetta. Yeah, absolutely. At, at, the, at, the sa at the same time. There was that Gnomes book that was out. I wonder if she, she might have had a copy of that because she's creating a whole lore here. And uh, like you said, went through the hands of many publishers over the years. Uh, when I was taking these like comic courses in literally second grade, Wayne Wise was a teacher. He's a proprietor of Phantom of the Attic uh, for, for many, many years. And he brought a sample of a bunch of different kinds of comics of like what is possible, the stuff that is not just on the newsstand. He brought like a Nexus. You know, this is the era, like like it's 88 when I'm doing this class. Uh, and it's a hardcover collection of ElfQuest and, uh, from some publisher. And then after I saw that, it's like, you know, once you get a car, like you see that same car on the road a bunch. Like I saw that ElfQuest and then, and then I started to spy it at uh, Walden Books and things. So uh, this represents one of my first like hundred comics that, that I still that I still have. Uh, in Down in Homestead, there was a Vietnamese dude had, had a store called Alpha Use Books. Mm -hmm. and, and all my books that have this like <laughs> price in there, that comes, that comes from the dude at Alpha Use Books. And I would bump into him at flea markets and shit and he'd be buying stuff and reselling it. I got all my uh, Mike Hammers in, in his shop. But this is a very important book for me, less for the subject matter in a lot of ways, more for the back matter, that which, which we will sure. uh, g get into here. But I think I might call this video... I didn't know that the elves and elf quests were the villains. Because, because uh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, what I'll say is, uh, this has also been endlessly optioned for multimedia purposes, movies, cartoons, and things, pretty much since, since it came out. Uh, Reading this comic, I could see how it would be tough to 
to make that work in a way with the lore that's being created here because it's like an imperialist story like these elves just show up like these people look they're happy they're having fun they're dancing around the fire they're enjoying life and all of a sudden this castle materializes out of nowhere plunk literally plunks down in the middle of their lands and then they start to yeah they're cute or whatever but they're they're taking the resources from the land and they're bougie look at how high class he is and that's just the regular folk the elf quest people the elves the, they are they are villains and it's not the the only sort of impositions that they put on somebody in this very issue that's so interesting Ed. <laughs> not not something i considered reading it but you're right i'm an easy mark to go along with the uh you know whoever's cast as the protagonist i'll jump on board with that um you know what i saw though in the indicia in there it's 1989 this printing but it's poughkeepsie new york yeah and it makes me wonder like is this the same printer as teenage mutant ninja I bet turtles you it is. It's magazine size i bet you um, it is so that's that's pretty interesting to me as well and then you know we're looking at it like that first page had a cool title lettering page. I like this lettering. I have to assume that's Wendy Peeney's hand. Yeah. And um, she was an accomplished illustrator at this point. Like she had had, a, you know, five years or something as a freelance illustrator under her belt. So this is the first time I've read this comic and going through it. I was so impressed by the quality of the art. Like, totally. She is a pro already in issue one yeah it's true she'll have the italic for the captions and then the sort of standard font but then there's some good emotive text but it it is compare these are ground level comics these are considered ground level comics which is to say superhero adjacent marvel comics adjacent so uh, i look at those comics within that same kind of rubric uh, within that same framework and the the lettering would be considered more amateurish yeah here to an extent it's a little looser uh with her 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 aims guide gets away from her a little bit and there'll be like small lines of text big lines of text so she has work but like when it comes to the lettering of comics you just got to do it a bunch and you're going to get it i'm it, sure her shit's going to tighten up a whole it lot it feels more d bruce barry than mike royer that's true the, the lettering here. <laughs> this is a nerdy youtube channel if you've not uh, <laughs> been, been, been here before man establishing the lore I think it's genius that this is a fantasy book as opposed to a knockoff superhero book. Yeah. You know, if you're looking to build an audience, like this is something you're not getting at Marvel and DC. Absolutely but you're true. probably a lot of fantasy fans that are uh, reading Marvel and DC. Yeah, they had their healthy sampling of, of like the uh, the Frazetta paperbacks and, and uh, certainly grew up on Tolkien. Ralph Bakshi's Tolkien stuff uh, probably came out. I, I pointed to this because I feel like that's an exact crib from a Frazetta piece. Yeah, could be. And story right away hits the ground running. You know, like those elves show up and then things kind of get chaotic. They're basically stranded on this world and at odds with the humans. And our very first scene here is one of the elves has been captured by the humans is going to be sacrificed to the humans god. You're right. Yeah, so these are like the boozy civilians, man, coming into rival territory and saying, your, your traditions, you're fucked up, man. Like, like we... We're going to go to war with you and uh, destroy you. And this is um, this is a tale of gentrification. It is. is what you're putting out there. <laughs> yeah, the elves are the bad guys. That's that's so funny to think of. I also look at this and I think of something like um, Air Cell. Oh, and sure. It's like, yeah, Barry Blair was jerking off oh, all, all over this stuff. No, no doubt. But, uh, you know, Dungeons & Dragons will be coming up soon. So it's, it's very much... What the the seeds that Tolkien 
sort of sprinkled around culture really started to spring up in those late 70s from from the kids that were growing up with that stuff like that that lord of the rings set that i have right there, that's my mom's yeah you know what i mean when she when she was a kid and stuff so this is how i mean it's sort of how culture works right Absolutely. like like you like you, you you sprinkle some culture to the kids they internalize that they adore it they love it they grow up and some people might make role-playing games other people might make comics the lighting on that face is phenomenal right it's so good it's an expressive face i miss this kind of cartooning by the way because you just don't see this sort of like there's no photo referencing going mm -mm. on here yeah you know it's a cartoon face full of expression but very animated and so often that's gone now totally yeah we get it in a manga this is an important story piece man where you got your establishing shot of the Holt. This is the the little commune of uh, of of the elves. This is their territory. So we establish it in all of its glory here, for future reasons in this very issue. We're starting to establish a little hierarchy uh, and a little bit of personality with these various elves. You got Cutter. You got Skywise. These are the ones that you always notice uh, on the on the covers and things, man. And 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 they she does a reasonable job of establishing. Some of that hierarchy, Cutter is no doubt the leader, and uh, you see sort of the different personalities of the various guys. This is a, I, I drew this, like, this is all I had. This is all the elf quests I ever had. Uh, so, like, this panel and seeing these different kind of elf jobs and these different dudes, like, I would make kind of my own drawings with these guys. This one in particular, because he, he was obviously the most strongest. <laughs> These are this is a classic comic book storytelling too. You know, like think of all the X Men where you get the two page spread of the whole team and the names underneath them and stuff. Like it's 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 comics one hundred and one. Yeah, and it's total RPG porn. You know, like like the way those things work, where you got your you know your strong guy, but he's probably a little a little daffy in the head. He doesn't have the mind points, and then you got like maybe your thieves that can like steal, but they're not strong, nor are they good at magic. You got a guy who could do attacks from a distance. It's total like RPG elements. Also, the wolves are amazing looking throughout. I know, she chooses to do that. Lover, right? She chooses to do it. <laughs> Whenever anybody chooses to do something like that, you know, had to include that, that set of anatomy that you have to learn, uh, props to you. Yes. Props to you. All right, so we're, now we established a little bit of the elves. We established a little bit of the tandem and the, the sort of issues. Yeah, yeah, between, definitely the conflict between the humans and elves. Let's reintroduce them a touch. And uh, the humans are coming, and I guess you got to try to make the the people who were there the whole time look villainy in some way. So basically saying like, it's my ball. I'm going home. If I can't have it fuck everything and uh they just set the entire forest ablaze including the the holt so the uh little elves they they gotta they're in retreat motion i feel like there's some marie severin in here i, I was gonna say wally wood definitely wally wood that wizard king era wally wood i think that holt is exactly you know i bet you i could find the panels of the wally wood stuff you mentioned um where where you know we we see that like manga having that cartoon quality of like face expressions and things in today's world yeah um looking this stuff up and trying to like kind of prep for this episode i came across this as being called the first american manga oh that that makes a lot of sense to me man uh look at what she's doing i mean she's she knows she's using black and white and she's choosing to do it all by hand there's no zips there's no duotone 
but you're getting a good blend of value just from her straight up hands man if it's not like the hatching there we get some good feathering and certainly the spotting of blacks i mean this is a very bright panel yeah and the black areas uh communicate that easily yeah the lighting's very consistent how about the body language of our dog here tail down between its legs the fire stuff i think comes across really well as a threat because there's moments when they're retreating one direction and they're like cut off and have to go another way and it feels like the horrors that you hear about from like a forest fire she captures that pretty well here yeah yeah great depth i mean she is she is a solid illustrator through and through man you got great foreground elements probably 20 30 layers of depth in this panel alone i think that's part of what popped for me is we look at so i i personally look at so many of those like self-published black and white comics and we've talked about how a lot of times that's somebody's first comic and it shows yeah that's not what this feels like and no. that's part of the surprise to me was just how accomplished this is if she wanted to she could be a jobber at this level oh for sure she could she could she could do iron man comics if she, she could do her own Silver Surfer comics if she felt like. But, you know, this is a story. This is something she wanted to express, something she wanted to communicate. There wasn't, uh, you know, Mike Plug and those guys. They did their w weird worlds or whatever in Marvel premiere mm -hmm. comics or whatever. Like, that 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 was gone. You could imagine that that's the comics that she has in her long box. You know what I mean? Like, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, further establishing the lore. So, so the elves, they, you know, they took over this other area and made a bunch of uh, a species mad so let's do that two times that's what i'm saying they're the bad guys uh establishing cool design stuff you mm -hmm. know like like this door thing it looks it feels like it works and things you got this troll culture in that it's like the subterranean so like build your world man it's issue you, one you could almost draw the map welcome to issue one and check out this whole new world that, we've, that we're making here you could almost uh you could almost draw the map at this point man and uh establishing just different parts of these different cultures so like the elves they're nocturnal but they don't like evaporate in the sun the trolls are full-on like mole people like they don't want to see one ounce of of, of bright lights uh, and it's cool now because now you've got three groups you've exactly. got humans elves and trolls and let's yeah. you know wonder what the troll human relationship is yeah so uh the the elves basically do a break-in they do a push-in you know like on the ring of camera you would see the person knocking <laughs> right. yep. you would see the person open the door and then you would see a, a posse of people bum rushing the show pushing their way into your house and they're still being dicks to everybody inside that space that's what i'm saying they're the bad guys uh, i'm gonna have to read further to see to, to, to see otherwise so let's see if the peenies convince me yeah, you see the troll yelling out too. We know your thieving ways, elf. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, they have a bad reputation in this in this world. It's true, man. Uh, you see treasures. Like, there's that, like, let's build some more mythology, more, some more lore. You know, there's this magnetic kind of rock that's, like, attracting all their weaponry and things. Is that a cool piece in the color, Jimmy? No, you know what? I'm, I'm fall I, I wanted to check the epic piece to see where they stop because they're shorter than the magazine so there's got to be some i see some editing in it and honestly like i feel like there are whole pages that may be cut out of this that makes, makes me want to do a um yeah cut out of the epic joint because like i said it's like 20 pages here yeah and i think it's 30 32 maybe at least there or, or, or maybe even more maybe 36. i see the uh, yeah when we get to like the last page i wonder if uh, it'll be the last page of this um they need to find a place to live and the tr the trolls 
they are a, a a wily lot and you easily get the sense actually it's great cartooning uh where this troll is like golden light but that one and you see this other troll like kind of punch the dude like knock the wind right. out of him as he continues laying his spiel that's just good cartooning it's really good yeah the little boof on the side to to sell it in the words just in case you miss it it's good stuff yeah, the cartooning is top notch because you're you're doing so many character designs. The groundwork for just this issue one. It's like it was in good. her head for, yeah. for a long time. Like maybe these are like even comics she was making as a kid, or she just has a very developed world uh, that kind of fleshed out like from from the start. It it doesn't feel like it's going to be a thing that she's just making up as she goes. Like I wouldn't be surprised if within an issue or two, like it, like she'll tell you that yeah, it's going to be twenty issues or something because it feels feels pretty tight it doesn't feel like a thing that you know you throw a bunch of stuff up in the air and then just kind of build off of the bullshit that you're putting down uh it's you know it's a little piece of that magnetic rock like she has intentions for this she's sowing the seeds for for the next issues which that's another thing that's that's very uh fascinating is the ambition uh unlike the ninja turtles guys who are like you know let's make a comic and you know we'll have a complete story like she has an epic that, that she has in mind. Yeah. Like, this is going to happen in another issue. It's going, it's going to progress. Uh, they follow the trail established by the trolls. They pop out the other side. And this is one of those bits that might work better in the color than it does in the black and white. Because uh, this is just a desert to me, mm -hmm. right? There's no green there. Uh, but there's a way that you could look at that and say, like, well, is that a very macro view of a forest where you wouldn't see individual trees that's a sweltering sun uh i'm guessing it's a very arid location the door gets shut essentially and now our guys are out in the middle of nowhere a whole society children involved also uh with nothing but but their weapons and their cunning shades of bone we yeah. see a similar story unfold in Bone Number One. You know, a couple of more Tolkien-inspired stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this piece, the Elf Illusion. What's the last page in the uh, color? Same deal? No, it's it's ten pages earlier. You know, it's them meeting the uh, like the troll leader, and you know, like I say, it's. Uh, I I think that I don't know that they're cutting pages out as much as maybe like an issue is two issues. Right. You know, like I, none of the magnet lodestone stuff is in here. We don't get to the other side of the troll tunnels and, and you know, sort of end the issue. Like, this feels like yeah, yeah. your cliffhanger issue. Not quite the same in the uh, epic issue. Now, as a kid, this was everything to me, man. Uh, seeing these original sketches, and very specifically, this right here spoke to me greatly. Because as a child, like, making comics myself with no real resources to figure out how to do it and no real resources in terms of proper papers and things. There was that little bit of time where I decided, like, I'm like, I want to make comics. And I had that like negative part of my brain that uh, you actually, we see it a lot in the comments, to be honest, man, of just like when we put out our ideas about like how to promote, how to like get your stuff out there. There are negative people that are like, well, I don't have this and I don't have that and I don't have this. When I first started, I was like, I don't have a word processor to write proper scripts for myself. I don't know the paper. And I was talking myself out of it. Right. Seeing this and seeing that this is definitely like composition notebook shit. 
And basically, this is a Japanese name, man. Like, this is like how the Japanese write their scripts to present to the editor. Uh, it's like it's to, all the storytelling is there. Um, I was making comics on a notebook on notebook paper at that time. Uh, this was like permission to do so, to continue on this path. This square right here helped set me on a path to continue pursuing comic book making. It's so valuable to see an example. It re you know, like when they talk about an image is worth a thousand words, this is, this is an image that's worth a thousand words. It tells you so much. Yeah. Yeah. And then seeing the less refined sketches and i hesitate to say that because it, it, it all looks good but i mean there's sketchy lines here we've seen how deft her inking is she's so good at doing like a bold outer line and then thinner smaller inner lines this is clearly a sketch but like seeing this kind of stuff was also very valuable but look at that man that's a composition notebook and yep. it's it's all there bro it's it's so interesting to see these layouts and i was just going through the red room trade paperbacks you know working on a cover and seeing your layouts in the back it makes so much sense seeing these layouts that way. Yeah, man. Super cool. Uh, long time coming. And see here, these are like, uh, look, Father Tree Press. I don't know that that's even them. That's not... That is interesting. Like, that's uh, maybe their book wing or something. Or, or maybe they're working with a book publisher, co-publisher, or something like that. They had proper bookstore distribution at some point. And I could have gotten this around 1989. It could have been a reasonably fresh comic that I bought from secondhand at this time it was definitely in better condition because like i would have my two stacks of comics under my bed and every friday i couldn't wait like at school i i couldn't don't even give me a test on friday because like i'm just thinking about like i'm gonna get out of school and i'm gonna be able to read my you're, comics you're for a weekend brothers but you get them on the weekend instead of summertime <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing um one of the last things that i think i came across with regarding ElfQuest and their work i think they've donated their archives to columbia i think it was them a, a donation of of, of uh, like original art and stuff. I, I I think so. You know, and like I saw a lot of ElfQuest info this week, and I can't remember specifically, but I believe that's what was on there. And it'd be interesting at some point just to have a list of sort of like where are cartoonist stuff archived? Because mm. I know Syracuse has you know some some amazing stuff in their archives. Um, it's really cool to think like if ElfQuest is at Columbia. Um, you know, these resources, they're almost hidden. It's almost unknown. And then you realize like, oh yeah, like you could go and see some of those pages maybe in the back or see the dummy makeup yeah. of this or the original art or the character designs or who knows, scripts, you know, whatever. I don't know what's part of that, but it's awesome that that stuff gets preserved and put in a space where like the public can access it. Yeah, totally, man. I, uh, after we did our, some of our Akira coverage, man, I kept mentioning Joe Peacock. He hit me up and I asked him like, I know that the, the Academy motion pictures like has your uh, akira stuff like what was that he's like no it's not alone like i just gave it to them i wanted it preserved by people who would handle it well and you know like i got a fam like i got kids running around that like i don't i don't have the space for that like they'll be good custodians of it and uh i think when you do that kind of thing you can make provisions and 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 requirements and he's like i don't want it broken up you know, I don't want it shipped off piecemeal or anything. I want it to be together, have this great archive of stuff. And, you know, that's, that's, that's a move that could be done. Which which then makes me think about, like, what about the Bone stuff at Billy Ireland and the Co Kevin and Hobbs? Are those loans or are those gifted donations? 
It's it's really interesting because like I can think of off the top of my head half a dozen institutions that have big collections yeah. of comics related material and it's like I don't know how well known that is. You know, like that's one of those bucket list kind of things if you, if you know if you're if your favorite cartoonist is Jeff Smith like you can go to the Billy Ireland and see a bunch of that original artwork. That, um, that, that Billy that's Ireland. So cool. Yeah, that Billy Ireland is only 3 hours away and we haven't been going to it. Right. Every year no, we're not, we're since, not. Since, since 1995 or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so much. We live in a time of, like, wealth that is cr just mind-boggling. Again, sure. like, go back and tell my 12-year-old self what you're able to just go see on a weekend in Columbus or the National Archives or Syracuse or wherever. It's staggering. You take it for granted. It's true. On that note, Kayfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell, we'll notify you when new vids are available, and uh, hit up our Patreon. Uh, if you are, are a King Kayfaber, you're getting all the videos ahead of everybody, and you're watching us record this in uh, real time, which uh, mitigates that Kayfabe effect completely. I bet you a couple of ElfQuests have sold uh, right uh, while we're recording this video, Jimmy. But tell the people what books you have out there. Hulk Grand Design, Street Angel Princess of Poverty are my next two releases. If they're not out already, pre-order those right now wherever you get books. Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, and The Plain Janes are available wherever books are bought and sold. You can join me on my own Patreon at patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see lots more of my art, download out-of-print zines and minis, and see what I'm working on next. Red Room Crypto Killers is the comic that is being uh, offered to your comic shops right now. It's going to come out, I believe, in May, uh, and will be coming out in a monthly basis. Uh, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in the Red Room Comics. Two trade paperbacks out there. Trigger Warnings and the Anti-Social Network. Uh, send me your fan art if you want to get in that gore gallery. It's a 10-year anniversary of Hip Hop Family Tree Comics. Four volumes of that out in the universe. Three volumes of X-Men Grand Design. One WYSIWYG out there, man. Got 10 books uh, out there flying solo. What else do we have going uh, strong, help keeping the channel afloat, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below the video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, mugs, hats, stickers, and more at our spread shop. That link is also below this video. Keeps these videos coming to you on a weekly basis, giving those marching orders will be on our way. Make more comics.